Hey, alright. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Miranda Reiner. One of my favorite music writers is on the show this week. An exciting interview to share with you all. If this is your first time here, this is a podcast that I started in 2016 as a way for me to interview creative folks who inspire me, folks like Miranda. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks to all who are subscribing to the show on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page at Better Yet Pod. We are emanating from Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of Better Yet since October of 2020, and the home of my favorite coffee roaster on the planet Earth, Dagger Mountain Coffee in Valparaiso, Indiana. DaggerMountain.com. They're on Instagram at Dagger MTN. I'm drinking a cup of Dagger Mountain every week on the podcast, every day for real. God have my coffee. Right now, I'm drinking a brand new coffee from Costa Rica. It's a Caribe. It's a wash coffee. Really, really beautiful, bright tones. They got all sorts of single origins available. Great blends as well. If you're more of the traditional cup of coffee kind of drinker, they got you covered. DaggerMountain.com. They're on Instagram at DaggerMTN. Hey, did y'all enjoy WrestleMania weekend? I'm still buzzing. We had friends over on Saturday for night one. We got to watch Rhea Ripley take the women's title. We got to watch the fucking heroes, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, defeat the Usos. And night two, Sunday night, I was in Oak Lawn with my people watching the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, retain his title. Maybe next year, Cody. Next year's WrestleMania will be in Philadelphia. I think I'm going to have to go. But speaking of Philadelphia, Miranda Reinert is on the show this week. Miranda is a blogger, a podcaster, and sometimes a freelance music journalist. Everyone listening to this show should visit MirandaReiner.com and stay subscribed to Miranda's ever-evolving website, Step One of a Plan. When we recorded this conversation a couple weeks ago, Miranda was hot off her 100th post on her website. We talk a little bit about the history of her her blog and her uh, newsletter, whatever you want to call it. The thing about Miranda is that she writes awesome stuff that always gets me thinking, always gets me excited to actually get on to Twitter and find out what people are saying while the conversation still lasts over there on uh, on that wretched website. But we 
talk about things that are more fun than Twitter on this podcast as well, including Miranda's podcast, Endless Scroll, and an interview with past and future guest of this podcast, James Goodson of Daisy. Miranda and uh, James got together, had a little conversation that was recently published in Cream Magazine, which... If you like magazines, actually, you should check out Cream right now because they're printing this big-ass music magazine with cool features in there, such as Miranda Reiner talking to James Goodson of Daisy. Wild times. There are good things happening in this musical landscape. I've been following Miranda's work for a few years now, and she runs an awesome zine publication called Wendy House Press, and her music writing is just top of the line. This is a great interview full of awesome insights into music, music writing, platform internet, all that stuff. I'm excited to share it with you this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. We'll be back next week. For now, here's me and Miranda Reiner. Just like this, I'll say, emanating from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Miranda Reiner on the show this week. Miranda, welcome to Better Yet. Hi, Tim. How are you? Dude, I'm so good. I'm so excited that you're (laughs) here. You're one of my freaking favorite music writers on the planet. That's so kind of you to say. Don't act like people aren't telling you that all the time in Philadelphia. They're probably like every every time you go to a, to the the first union, they're like, "Oh my God, Miranda's here! What's she what's she gonna get us all talking about on the internet this week?" I love to talk on the internet. If nothing else, <laughs> I love to talk on the internet. I've only, I've only been to the church one time, and it was like really recently, mm-hmm. and everyone was like. I can't like everyone I talked to all my friends were like I can't believe you've never been here before I was like well I moved to Philadelphia in August of 2020 like <laughs> that's right yeah Height I didn't do anything the... in Philly mm-hmm <laughs> you moved in and then you got to know your apartment really well right I got yeah I got to know the the windowless room that I was doing remote law school in that's right that was that's what brought you out there originally right was law school yeah what a awful decision hey we already talked in pre-pro about the developments in your career and it sounds like you avoided uh a lot of debt that's for sure that's right yeah you like in philly uh do i like (laughs) philly yes am i gonna move back to chicago this year yes (laughs) oh that's both good things. I like to hear both of those things. You miss Chicago so much, right? I'm just outside of it now, and I still miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was this a long time coming? Were you kind of biding your time, Philadelphia? You did the experiment. Now it's time to go back to Illinois. Right. Well, you like you got to give it like a good shot, right? You got to... Cause like absolutely oh, the old the old post grad try. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, like I didn't get to do anything in Philly for like a year, so I was like, mm-hmm. well, I can't like write it off because like I haven't been able to do anything, right? Right, right. And then so you had to do like the next year of like trying to figure it out. And now I feel like I've settled into it and I've decided that it's not the place for me, and that's fine totally fine totally fine 
Now, this is a momentous week for you, Miranda, to your your newsletter is celebrating <laughs> its 100th post. That's right. Congratulations. I sent 100 emails yeah. to people. You sent 100 emails? What do you mean by <laughs> but with my newsletter, I've sent I've sent um you know thousands of people hundreds of emails. Well, oh, 100 emails. okay, that's good because I was wondering like how do I refer to a specific post in your newsletter? Your newsletter this week is your one hundredth newsletter for your newsletter. Right, you can just call it a blog. It is also just a blog. Uh huh. You know. <laughs> well, it was it was it came in the I think the the surge of newsletters of twenty twenty. Right. Yeah. It felt like you were were you on Substack originally? I was, yeah. And then moved on to MirandaReiner.com. Right. It's uh yeah, I like it's better this way. Better for like a web to have like a website more than just like um you know, the the parameters of what you can do on Substack are not real wide. And I feel you. I'm still on this Squarespace yeah. site for betteryetpod.com. I don't know what I'm doing. I think Squarespace is I always like struggle to use anything Squarespace. It's I don't know why. Interfaces. I just, I just want to yeah. be able to put it all down there. I know how to do it. I'm just lazy. Right. It's like it's like trying to insert pictures where you want them to be like in a Word document. That's always that's always how I feel whenever I use a Squarespace site. Like it it feels like it should be easy and then I'm actually doing it and I'm like, this isn't what I want it to look like. <laughs> Now, I know you were trying to come up with something festive for your 100th episode. That's right. I like to say that's the reason why anybody starts a podcast is so that they can get to that 100th episode so that they yeah. can be interviewed by David Anthony or whomever you rope in to your little project. Right. So did you feel like you got to do something something cool to celebrate the 100th? I enjoyed the the nature of what you, Thank you. Of what the email that you sent to me this week, as you put it. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's true to what the newsletter is, which is just like me talking about me. And um, that's, I think, most of what my website is, is, you know, it's music writing, but it's also mostly just me. It's yes. about me. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it's a good brand, too. It is a Thank good you. brand. I love this step one of a plan. I like this new. Uh, header oh, yeah. that we got going on and feels like you're kind of I we're going to talk a lot about this as we go but the beautiful the, the rebranding <laughs> of the thing that you've been doing for a long yes. time is kind of what comes with I think the territory when it's a solo endeavor yeah you have a lot of freedom you can change mm. what things you know look like and are um yeah, I've decided I want it to be called something again instead of just like being like just me. I don't know. And then I fell into uh, using the first line of a hard girl song because that feels like something I would do. Well, I got to shout out this 100 Club Spotify playlist that you oh, did yeah. because going <laughs> through it, I was like, man, they should just call this the Mike Huguenor show because he's well, freaking yeah. all over this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i love mike huguenor i think his music's great <laughs> i love mike huguenor too his music is great i like i think you and i use the same phrase of one of the great guitar players of our time if not the greatest yes. um and 
yeah, I was kind of surprised to see such love for hard girls. Where did you where did you first hear that hard girls record? Is this like a is this a new new fascination of yours, or do you go way back with that one? Um, hard girls. I remember listening to Floating Now when it came out yeah. twenty seventeen, but like. I got into Hard Girls probably like, I don't know, like a few years ago. Um, I remember my ex-boyfriend had it on vinyl and I did like a like, I don't know. I was trying to listen to like his records when we used to live together. Mm-hmm. Just like that I didn't own and sort of looking at like stuff that he had that I wasn't real familiar with. And I got, I I liked, isn't it worse? That was like the one that I had listened to oh, and yeah. like liked, but didn't like, I don't know. It's something stick and some don't just kind of. Um, move forward, but then I got really into a thousand surfaces and sort of moved forward with yeah. that. I love that record. I listened to that record like a bunch, like I don't know, a year and a half ago. I listened to it like constantly, and that's why there are so many songs mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on that playlist. So, you're Chicago originally. Where where did you grow up? I grew up in Bolingbrook, which is a southwest suburb. Right. It's near right, Naperville, right. you know. Naperville, <laughs> near Orland Park, near the Orland Park Mall. Right? I could not tell you where Orland Park is. I don't oh, know. okay. All right. Well, it's, <laughs> I it's guess like, it's a matter of which which 290 or 294 you're on. Right. Um, yeah. More like, um, like, to like Joliet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. would take that down from Chicago to Illinois State University. I would, I would exactly, pass by. Yes. yes. Are your Absolutely. folks still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got siblings? Yeah, I got two older sisters. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Are, was there a lot of music in the house growing up? Or are you the the outlier? Uh, yeah, so definitely. My dad was always like, like, Anytime we'd get in the car, my dad was always, like, pretty particular about music mm. that he really liked. My dad was, like, really into Steely Dan. And Steely Dan. He avoid <laughs> Steely Dan in 2023. That's all right. Well, it's that's all right. A, it's, no it's shots on your dad. No, I mean, my dad's a 60-year-old man, so he, like, can be into Steely Dan, and it's just like, well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Steely Dan, my dad really liked, like, Death Cab for Cutie when I was young mm. and really mm-hmm. liked... Um, my dad likes like the national and yeah, uh, yeah, stuff you like, like the that. national. I feel like I, I haven't like seen a Miranda national. opinion on the national. I love. I that really like. So yeah, up to a certain point, but like mm-hmm. Boxer and High Violet. Um, fucking right. Two perfect records. Um, yeah. So my dad would always you know, he he was always very. Uh, he he made his opinions known. Like we'd listen to a lot of Fleetwood Mac and. Mm-hmm. But he didn't like the Stevie Nicks songs, and yeah, he wouldn't listen to the Stevie Nicks songs. A very sixty-year-old man opinion. Well, he really likes Christine McVie, but he doesn't yeah. really like Stevie. Uh, yeah, well, Stevie no, Nicks. no, no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> everybody likes Christine McVie, but but yeah. yeah, it seems like Stevie gets um, she divides the audience. Well, if you so, will. I remember one time I wrote about like music that my dad like, or that I think of when I think about my dad, like The Who and Steely Dan, all that stuff, and I was talking about. Um, about Fleetwood Mac and I said that he didn't like those songs and he texted me to remind me that it's not that he doesn't like her but he doesn't like her vibe he has like a problem with like with her energy 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Sure, man. Um, and my mom, I feel like with my mom, it was always like you put in the Shania Twain CD and that's, that's where, oh, yeah. and as you should, as you should put in up by Shania Twain and have a great time. Um, but my sisters sort of were really into like taking back Sunday and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that, uh, sort of that I, I like, you know, I got into pretty young because they had it on CDs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So do you remember getting into music like on your own, like exploring outside your sister's CDs? Yeah, I remember. So there's a YouTube video that I um, probably could credit like 60% of music I liked that was like new to me, like music discovery coming from this video Mm -hmm. called The Party Music 2, um, which is a video by a man named Mitchell Davis. And it had like it was like the first place I heard like a Death Cab song, okay. and like, um, like a bunch of music, like so much music in that video. Um, I was like really into Owl City when I was in middle school. This was when I was like eleven years old, so I'm like, yeah. Um, and I'm like on YouTube trying to find music because mm-hmm. like, oh, so much of stuff was like, uh you know, listening to my sister's CDs or like I bought a dashboard confessional CD when I was like 10. I bought a Mark Commission of Brand of Scar and right. I hated it. It <laughs> like, so I was so <laughs> I'd been burned by uh, buying random CDs um, by dashboard confessional, which I still don't, I, I can't listen to dashboard. I can't. To this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't do anything for me, but I, um, so getting onto YouTube instead and having a, a lower stakes experience with, music exploration um was good for me so i feel like yeah it was you could click on a youtube video and then i would just click on whatever was next Uh until i found something that i liked which means like i don't even know what i was listening to at like i was listening to like uh you familiar with hollywood undead hollywood undead no what's that Oh, it's not good. So it's like the worst <laughs> music I've ever listened to. It's just like like deeply misogynistic, like late two thousands. MySpace. Uh, MySpace. Is it Crunk? Cool. Is it Crunkcore? Kinda. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's I'm, hard to. I feel like they all wear, like, they all wear yeah. like painted. Fa- they had like mm-hmm. their faces painted and like. Oh, um, like ICP. It was like kind of like a. Mm, the vibe is. <laughs> I don't know why I brought up Hollywood Undead. Um, yeah, I don't know. They <laughs> there was like a white guy that like rapped, kind of. This definitely um, sounds like ICP. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> if I remember listening to a lot of Hollywood Undead when I was in middle school, I listened to a lot of Owl City when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that stuff was just sort of it was MySpace stuff, but it was just stuff that I was coming across on YouTube because I was like a little bit young to be on MySpace. And then right. when I was like old enough to be on MySpace, I remember I made an account and then it was kind of like already dead and all my friends were just on Facebook then. So, mm. um, so I just, yeah, listen to music on whatever would come up on YouTube or in my dad's iTunes library. I love that. Have you seen Tar? Have you seen the movie Tar? I've seen parts of Tar when my friends were watching oh it, but I have God, not seen I it. Can't stop thinking about the part <laughs> in Tar when she takes out the celloist. 
who's like younger and yeah. she's like asking her about what records and yeah. this cellist 25 years old and she's just like YouTube and Lydia Tar is just like so deeply hurt by it. I don't know I'm not I've been thinking about it so much yeah. I think about that movie all the time well, um, I was like when I was a kid, I my parents used to have these CDs. My uncle, my mom's youngest brother had um, he like worked at a radio station. And so he had all these burnt CDs, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. volumes of these like mixes. And, you know, and my dad, like my dad wouldn't listen to like full albums in the car or anything. It was all sort of like curated to like we'd be driving to like Connecticut where my grandparents lived and it would curated what he wanted to listen to. And we'd listen mm -hmm. to like mixes that my uncle had made. So, like, yeah, like, full albums, even, like, outside of, like, even before I was really online <laughs> um, discovering music, like, I guess I really wasn't listening to, like, full records yeah. outside of, like, a few of my sister's CDs. But even then, we had, like, MP3 players that we'd put all that on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'd, I'd load music wrong onto my MP3 player and listen to it. <laughs> It's just so funny to hear you talk about like the one dashboard confessional CD that you bought cold and were I hated it. Burned by it. And like, I was burned. People our age, it's like, no, that's how you that's how you learn. That's how you learn how to appreciate. It. That's why that's why I'm yeah. thinking of Lydia Tar right now. It's like yeah. no, you gotta suffer because CDs were bad. CDs, yeah. Well, my dad talks about that. My dad my dad will be like, yeah, I used to like two songs on the radio and then I'd buy the record and I would hate it. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so do you remember like when, when did you start writing? Were you, mm. I was kind of like this when I was a kid. I just wrote and I had teachers that were like, if you just write and turn it in, I'll grade it and read it keep doing that did it was it like that for you were you writing about no. stuff no <laughs> no um <laughs> i feel like writing is something that um i it's something that i like liked doing in school but i was like um what one could call a troubled teen so i didn't do very well in school uh -huh. um and I think, like, then you, like, I got to, like, a point where I was, like, I kind of wrote about this in my in my 100th newsletter, where it's, like, this, like, real embarrassment about, like, writing anything or making anything mm -hmm. that um, I really struggled with for a really long time. And so, like, I didn't really start writing until – or, like, I didn't really start enjoying writing anything until I was, like, in college. Oh, wow. Um, because I just, like – I don't know. It just, like, wasn't my thing and, like, in high school at least. And then I started writing zines and I would write, like – little like blog posts on stuff that then I would like immediately delete or like I was on Tumblr and so I'd write stuff on Tumblr um mm -hmm. every so often but it always felt like this very shameful embarrassing thing I guess yeah and then yeah and then I started writing zines and stuff and then 
How'd you um, discover zines? I guess. How did I discover zines? How'd you get into zines <laughs> enough to want to make zines? one yourself, sure. which you're still doing like, regularly, right? Wendy House Press right. is alive and well in Philadelphia. That's a thing I do, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I guess if I started reading zines, just like going to Quimby's in mm. Chicago and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you walk in and there's a big wall of them. It's like, that's the first part of the bookstore is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is all the zines. So I started reading them sort of through that. Uh, and like, I would read like older things like that would come up like on Tumblr, like um, people would scan and they'd post them on Tumblr and. So I was like aware of them. And then once I lived, I moved to Chicago for college and started you like go to buying scenes. For? I went to Columbia. Yeah. Um, for, uh, I have a music business degree, so I didn't, uh-huh. really didn't write a whole lot uh, in college. <laughs> but you were interested <laughs> enough in music to pursue sure, it. Yeah. 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 Well, like, I think if you get really into music in a high school that was like it was an option and it was close mm-hmm. i think i only applied to columbia which isn't a good plan but it's kind of a safe bet you'll get in um <laughs> don't take uh, that advice <laughs> all of you all of you high school students that are listening to the better yet podcast yeah don't yeah. go to columbia but <laughs> i did and um because Applied i was the one college too um <laughs> Speaking from the experience of someone who applied to one college, too. Don't do that. (laughs) It's not a smart idea. Mm -hmm. Give it some thought. Uh, But I didn't. I went there. My best friend also went there. And, you know, I don't know. But we got into, yeah, like music stuff kind of together, me and my best friend. And then uh, I didn't really have any ideas of what to do all of like the people I was friends with in high school are now like lawyers and medical professionals and Mm -hmm. uh they work at banks and you know that kind of stuff (laughs) so uh I think I always kind of felt like I don't know kind of like a failure so I just sort of dove into like something totally opposite from what the people I knew in high school were into and yeah um, and then I didn't end up, you know, pursuing uh, the capital M music industry, but. Oh, but you learned I enough. Still... You learned but enough I... to be like, hey, I got some ideas about this geriatric well... industry that we're <laughs> all right. stuck living That's with. That's right. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> I graduated early and I like studied abroad and stuff. I went to Columbia for all of like two and a half years and yeah. in all honesty and then graduated and. Where'd you um, go? Uh, where'd you go abroad? I lived in Paris. How was that? Uh, good. I think just good. Um, no, it was fun. I I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it. I. It was very interesting to live somewhere so different. I do feel like Paris. I liked it the longer I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is like such a an adjustment period and also like i think like i was lucky that i lived in sort of the part of the city that i did because it was a sort of further out from where a lot of the student accommodation was mm. which 
was inconvenient for school, but was better. Like people were nicer. Like, uh, you know, if, if I walked into like a boulangerie and I wanted to get a sandwich, the person working there would like genuinely not speak English. So they would have to speak French with me, even though I wasn't very good at speaking French. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were always like nice about it where like the closer you get to the center of the city, uh, that's where you get people who, they don't um, got that time. Don't, they, they don't want to talk to you in your French, but also they're mad if they have to speak English. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, Respect. but, but I love, and it's great. I think that's like a charming, <laughs> I think it's mm. fun. Um, cause like you get through it, whatever, as long as you go quick, they kind of aren't, they're not going to be like real mean to you. Yeah. But yeah. it was great. I went to a lot of places that I definitely like would not have, you know, been able to go Went you know, all around France and like, um england and germany and stuff and definitely like like italy like definitely could not have done that if not for studying abroad and i think also gave me some distance from like a real persisting career panic Mm -hmm. that um that i needed and that i was like you know what it's fine that like i don't want to do the thing that i like thought i wanted to do i almost moved to la it was a whole i was in like a real tough spot there for a little while yeah but what were you thinking you wanted to do in music i'm sure by the end of that or like during the course of that you kind of had some ideas yeah well so i really liked like music publishing stuff more of like boring like Mm -hmm. contract stuff i thought was interesting which is sort of like um one of my professors in college he uh was a lawyer and um yeah, I don't know. I feel like that stuff always interested me more than like live stuff or like record label stuff or like marketing, God forbid marketing, mm-hmm. like all that, like I hated, like I wasn't interested in doing, <laughs> um, but publishing I think was like, I thought was interesting. And then um, ended up going to law school sort of with the idea of doing like entertainment contract law type stuff like that. Um but then decided I didn't want to do that, which is, uh, I got a weird text. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, then I, yeah. So I went to law school because I was panicking about my career as you do Mm -hmm. when you finish college at age 20. Uh And, uh, yeah, which like, it's fine. All things work out in the end. Mm-hmm. I think as much as I like wasn't thrilled with sort of my college experience academically, I don't think I like if I had gone to school for something that was like, you know, safer, like more like career, I don't know, direct career minded, I probably wouldn't have finished college. And mm-hmm. you probably still so, would have been making zines and posting on MirandaReiner.com, right. I would think. That's right. Yeah, zines. I got really into making zines after. Um, spending time in Los Angeles alone because um, I find that all my stories end up with, I dated a guy once, but that's kind of true. <laughs> Cause I dated a guy who lived in Los Angeles for a long time in college. Uh, and so that was sort of a, you know, a big part of my life. But I remember sitting in LA um, and being like, I need to do something with my time. And I had gotten into um, like shooting. Uh, I had been given a, 35 millimeter camera and Mm. 
got into shooting film stuff um, while I was in college. So I was like, I want to do something with those. And then I started writing um, sort of alongside first doing like a photo zine with like minimal writing alongside it. And then I made a zine a little bit later that was more like music focused, which was about fashion and like non-men sort of around music and how like the interplay of music and fashion and style makeup that kind of stuff yeah and like ma- i like mailed disposable cameras around the country oh wow it was like the most ridiculous thing um i love to yeah make a zine out of mailing people things most people mailed them back yeah <laughs> which is kind of crazy they like took a few pictures and then mailed it back to me yeah wow yeah and then i sort of started uh doing that more i remember Lior at the reader wrote about that zine. We love him. Um, Wrote about that zine. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's the fucking Lior. It's the fucking Lior. And it's the Chicago reader. (laughs) Right. Culture. I mean, it it was a privilege being in Chicago and being around that and just being Mm -hmm just through osmosis and seeing the seeing the zine fest and then being able to pop into Quimby's anytime it's like this whole world that's like it's not even like music where it's like kind of written down like here's the paths you can follow it's so like self-exploratory yeah yeah like I guess I I was when I talk about zine stuff it always felt like something that I did so individually like Going to Quimby's and that was like a big part of like what I love doing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really ever part of like yeah. a broader zine culture. Just um I don't know. I guess that always felt a little bit out of reach for me because I was like terrified of people who were older than me and I was like terrified of doing anything. So <laughs> <laughs> So I just, it's just something that I did like on my own, which is kind of a shame and like something that I wish I would have done differently a little bit. You can still do it. Well, you can can still do it. it. You can, Mm -hmm. yeah, never too late. And I mean, you have to have people who are discovering your zines now through your newsletter, right? Do you have? Yeah, absolutely. People, yeah, I'm very lucky that like, as I like started writing more, which pretty much just came out of the newsletter initially came out of being in the pandemic and not wanting to go to the post office anymore, not really being able Mm -hmm. to go to the post office anymore. Uh, So I started doing um, online stuff, which um, I was very lucky and definitely like timing, but people responded positively to it. And then it uh, sort of, right away and people buy it right away i have to i have to acknowledge (laughs) that that i think the moment you started writing i i was paying attention i don't know how that happened but i feel like a lot of people were people have been reading your newsletter pretty consistently yeah it started i (laughs) i'm very lucky i'm very lucky that like people cared and also you know people like Lior, um, who, David Anthony, people who had, like, writers who not only have, like, people who follow them online, but who, like, really care about the things that they think. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I don't think is true for all music writers. I don't think, um, you know, not everybody has groups of people who truly like will read anything they write and have sorts of like passionate, true like fans the way that I think people who lean more into like punk sorts of writing um, often will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Ian Cullen, everybody, like all those guys sharing my work was like huge for my mm-hmm. newsletter, obviously. Like, uh, and so I'm super grateful for them and all of like, you know, I pretty quickly became friends with a bunch of like music writers, even though I kind of never was that interested in like music writing as like a. Um, I think that's I guess I part never of considered the appeal. It. I think that that's right, part of yeah. the appeal to your writing is that you have this it's it's a take that's an outsider take, but it's also certainly not indebted to like the tradition, which I think is what right. is so I think I find that to be very captivating about your writing is that it's this perspective that doesn't seem as, you know, We'll talk about this piece that you did, this uh, on music criticism and failed internet. Got a lot of people talking a couple weeks ago as your, as your newsletters tend to at least like once a month, it's like a Miranda piece comes out and everybody's talking about it. And I'm sorry, I'm embarrassing you when I say that, (laughs) but um, you know, when you talk about the negative review, I remember I've seen that you know, talking about the negative review is something that music writers return to often. Yeah. But it is this, it's it's an attempt to kind of reposition the music review as something that it used to mean. It really doesn't anymore. And it's unfortunate. Right. But I think that when you talk about it, you're not coming with the expectation of like, how do we make this matter again? It's more just like, fucking this shit don't mean nothing to me right now not that it doesn't mean nothing but you know what i'm saying no definitely i think i i think it's important to not get caught up in like as a writer like especially as a music writer as someone who is writing about something made by someone else Mm -hmm. um you know i think the stuff that I want to read is always writing that is for, like, a reader. Like, how is this going to be read by someone who, um, you know, didn't click on it because, like, their band's name is in the title. Right. Um, right. Or, that person, or I think let's see be... what this person said about self-defense family because <laughs> I wrote about self-defense family. got to say. Right. Really, really, really stoked to see what you had at number one on your self-defense family <laughs> list. Yeah. Your corrections officer. Um, mm-hmm. Amazing. That's I... right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I think like mostly I'm trying to write stuff that I would want to read. I think that's most important. I think like I've – I never grew up – like reading music reviews with like a reverence toward like pitchfork, mm-hmm. which is not true of everybody my age or, you know, a little bit younger than me, like what Anthony Fantano cares about or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. 
which <laughs> like that wasn't really part of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can laugh on mic. It's fine. Um, but like people who um, I know people who, you know, grew up like reading Pitchfork who are like a little bit older than me reading Pitchfork and like really that like shaping their taste in so, so many ways. Uh, I grew up, I don't know, getting mad at Ian Cohen, not liking the Frightened Rabbit EP that I liked enough. Like that, um, like, I wasn't really, um, I don't know, I guess there wasn't a lot of reverence toward music writing for me. Or like, it wasn't how I was like shaping my taste outside of like, I read David Anthony, I read Dan Ozzy. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, Dan's work was always like, I like this because it, it like makes me laugh most of the time. Right. Um, And like, this is a person like both of them sort of people who have like a an obvious and specific taste mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm like not interested in reading super general like i'm not interested in a canon necessarily yeah um and so like that's to me like they're writing even when it was more formal or like Lior or whoever um even when it was more formal it was still coming at it from a knowledge that they had this really sort of specific taste mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like wasn't, I don't know, not necessarily like always like super broad, but I think that was always the appeal for me. I liked. Um, There's an entertainment of the actual right. reading process. The reading of it is like, <laughs> I like when I write something, I want people to enjoy reading it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if like, they don't like agree with me or whatever. Like it's, it's not about that. It's not about like proving I'm that like my opinion is valuable. It's trying to write something that will be entertaining or enjoyable to read. Right. Right. Which is different. And like connecting with people. A lot of my writing is like personal, more personal writing. Um, and I think that that is stuff that I really like to read. And that's why I do it. Um, I'm also no good at keeping a journal, so I kind of, uh, I love it. It's like, it's like, what is on Miranda's (laughs) mind this week? Yeah. Yeah. It's also, most of them are written in like an hour Mm -hmm. while I'm like eating lunch or something. And it would, and people seem to respond to it. And I'm really lucky that like. I started doing it at a time when people were really receptive to the newsletter sort of boom. Um, And I'm lucky that I have reached people at all. (laughs) Uh, But I do think that so much of it is I'm not that interested in what music writing often is. (laughs) I'm not interested in like the like sort of faux objectivity of reviews and this like interest in like cultivating a new canon Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. broadening your music taste to the point where like, you're trying to keep up with new music constantly mm-hmm. in what I can only imagine, or at least for me, becomes like trying to listen to a bunch of new stuff and like collecting opinions on all this stuff without really cultivating any relationship with it, mm-hmm. which depletes everything that I love about music, everything that I've ever liked about music. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of try to distance myself from that. I like, you know, I do a podcast twice a week. And since I've 
been on it. We've sort of drifted a little bit further from what well, we every week we have to review two new records. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I like seeing you post sometimes too. It's like, should I listen to this? <laughs> this band it's like just do right. it what's <laughs> no but the thing about it is that i have this thought of um okay if i'm posting like that it's usually because i'm thinking about i sort of do what my newsletter originally was is like me trying to listen to like important records that i've never heard before this was the something old something new right. phase. that sort of old yeah, very yeah. very um, enjoyable which, and occasionally I will still do, um, and I found lots of music that I really like because of it. Um, I try to take a temperature of how much people care about, mm-hmm. like, certain things. Because, like, that is a consideration for it. Or, like, what people think about it. Like, is this actually something that, like, yeah, I sure. should listen to as, like, even if I don't like it, will I still get something out of it? Because um, I don't, you know... Some of the records I do really end up loving and then some I am like, this is not for me. And that's, but that's kind of like the fun part of it. And it's still valuable to have done that. Mm-hmm. Is it valuable for me to listen to the new pornographers? I don't know. <laughs> I did. And I didn't have anything to say about it. Yeah, so, totally. I mean, that, <laughs> so it's, music is good, know. but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't spark a lot of thought. I, but I, right. I am like retroactively looking back and realizing like, yeah, when you said something about being lukewarm on Yola Tango, I was all over that. Like, what is, no, you got, just, just try, just try this. Just yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yola Tango, I do feel I will get into. That's like yeah. one thing that I think mm-hmm. like, I'll be t- like, I'm going to give myself like two years and then I'll get it really into Yola Tango. It'll be it just great. has to be the right moment. You know, <laughs> things have to come to you in the right moment. Well, one thing you talk I about yeah. in that piece, I'm sorry to cut you off, but one yeah, thing no, you talked about in that, in that piece that I really liked was the, it's the desire that people have for a conversation. And that's kind of what's missing. And I think yes. you point rightly to the negative review is we want something that's going to elicit reactions in people i think that's right. like yeah for me going back to pitchfork and being like what do you mean you don't like the alkaline trio <laughs> like that spurred yeah, yeah. years of my like m- musical yeah like feelings absolutely. and it is that's like that's we're going back to something that was familiar to us then and that's what we want and that's what i like about your writing so much is that it it just naturally generates conversation because i think you put it in such a way that it doesn't just get filtered into you rightly talk about the press release aspect of these reviews and like yeah yeah. mentioning everybody that was involved in it and it gets laborious but it yeah absolutely it gets um further away from what i think is valuable about social media and more into this like professionalizing um that inevitably happens but i think like as as we move away from an internet where there are more like popular websites with like real audiences as we move away from you know having absolute punk and punk news and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um or like forums yeah forum internet like as we've moved 
which is not something I really ever experience. Like that's like, uh, I've, have pretty much only ever used like platform internet, but also, I mean, even Tumblr, like when I was in high school, it was me talking to other fans of, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> the wonder years and everyone yeah, everywhere yeah. or whatever. And it's like, but I, I wasn't in a space where like, if I read something, I didn't like feel like I, as a fan was going to like reply to the writer or the publication because I had a place to talk about music mm -hmm. with other people who liked the same music I did. So I would just do that on Tumblr. Now I feel like we've convened so much into just like a couple of websites that everyone's in the same place and everyone's mad at each other because everyone's trying to do something different. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like writers are doing something different than musicians who are doing something different than the fans, but everyone's pushed together and they shouldn't be. Because no one is getting anything positive out of that. Yeah. It's very like, everyone's at fault and no one's at fault, which is kind of a a bullshit way to, you know, get out of actually talking about like, <laughs> value. But I think it's true. I think like the way that the internet has developed, uh, everyone's in the same place and nobody should, you know, we shouldn't all be in the same place getting mad at each other for trying to achieve something different online. Because, mm -hmm. um, like, writers, it's, like, I talk about, like, how, like, you should want people to talk about your writing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, you... But I don't know that that always seems true. Like, the way that people talk about, like, fans talking online. I think there's also, you know, a difference when you're, like, someone who's a professional writer like the response that you get isn't even necessarily like about you. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I mean, and, and really taking things personally because you feel like this is your personal space, but like you're a public figure. It's, I think it's tough. I think it, it you know, obviously there's a line, but at some point you just have to be like, these people are just talking and they're not, Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. talking to you they're not like trying you shouldn't you don't need to respond um, but also like it's a good thing when people are talking about like the stuff that you like it's or the stuff that you write about and the stuff that you like that's what you should want it's what you do want mm -hmm. allegedly right when you talk yeah. about like also if you write like a super negative review like which yeah like you're you're trying to get a joke off most of the time whether you're funny or not is <laughs> iffy like, but you're trying to get a joke off and like to be like, well, I should be able to do that and like kind of make fun of this thing while also having nobody say anything to me about it is like mm -hmm. such a weird thing. Like, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit disingenuous whenever people get like up in arms over stuff. Obviously, to a point, online harassment is real, especially for female writers. Um mm -hmm. But I also think that there is, like, this expectation that you should have going into, like, writing a big review of a big record by someone famous. <laughs> I don't know. But I do think it's a shame more that, like, fans don't really seem to have as much of, like, a fan-to-fan -fan space the way that it was kind of in the past. 
Um, yeah. Even, you know, not that long ago, like when I was in high school. So it's nice to see things like Discord coming in because I right, think exactly. that's given yeah. us a lot of, it's given people a lot of great spaces to just have conversations. Yeah. That's why I love the alternative. That's why I love listening to you and Michael and Eli and Eric each week on mm-hmm. Endless Scroll. Now you've been doing Endless Scroll for yeah. a couple of years now as the as the yeah. four of you. Now, how did that happen? Yes. Michael is uh, Illinois as well, right? right? Yes. And then Eric and Eli, um, everybody remembers, of course, the time I was on in uh, January of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. we only had like things like the Emily Ishida record to talk yep. about. Yep. <laughs> you know, simpler times. <laughs> Yes. So how did uh, how did you and um how did how did Endless Scroll go from two to four? Right. So Michael and Eric and Eli all used to write for the alternative. So they were all kind of friends. And I started being a guest. Um who like I you know, people who work at the all or who at least like at that time were like people that I knew online, sort of socially. And then the first time I went on Endless Scroll was to talk about Anthony Fantano because mm. um, I wrote a I wrote a, a charitable um, thing about like about Anthony Fantano and about this, like yeah. yeah which uh, in defense of Anthony Fantano I think right, was the yeah. title of it like, I think oh, it he's was, not that bad yeah. guys. He's not. I mean, he's not. He's really not. The internet. Yeah. I mean, like, I think people who are a little bit older than me, like, truly don't understand YouTube culture. Mm -hmm. I write about YouTube. Like, I I love to write about YouTube culture stuff because people, they just don't understand what it's like. Like, the, the presence and the utility that YouTube has in younger people's lives, they have no idea. People Like, people who are, like, a little bit older than me have no idea. They have no... Like, YouTube is, like, a place to watch a video, like, a music video, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're searching something specific on YouTube. It's not its own culture. We got to talk after this, because my numbers on this, <laughs> these Patrick Kinlan videos on YouTube.com slash at are not what they need to be right now. Put a lot on the line here. So, yeah. anyway, everybody, <laughs> YouTube.com slash at just... Play that playlist a few times over. Just come on. Let's do it. My come Albini on, videos are doing well. The Albini videos, okay, like, they don't sure. need any. They Absolutely. don't need any help. But these Pat Kimlin <laughs> videos, really, oy, oy, oy. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like so writing about like Anthony Fantano, who is like seen as this like sort of enemy figure of like traditional music writing. Mm-hmm. I really, I should say, I have no actual yeah. opinion on Anthony no, yeah. I, d- <laughs> I don't you know I don't typically like find a lot of value in what he does it was never really for me but like you know it was sort of at the around when like you know is like TikTok music journalism gonna be like a big thing and like mm-hmm. whatever and it it's tough to like you know people who like feel that Anthony Fantano, who, by the way, is like the only person who's successful at what he does. Like big time. Like, no, he's not a threat to your industry. Your industry is a threat to itself. Like, let's not like, why are we like, 
you know, it's a scapegoating Anthony Fantano for, I don't know, just hating him because he's like successful, I guess. I think it's um, the bald with glasses thing. I think that it's there's. The bald, I think, yeah. 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 But anyway, so I went out on the scroll to talk about Anthony Fantano. And I think I reviewed like a cloud nothings record or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> with them. And then I was on again as a guest a little bit later. I don't remember what it was about. And then Michael and I, like, Michael had been a guest a few times. And then initially we were kind of like, like, I think Eric and Eli, they used to have a guest every single episode. And I think that got tiring for them to mm-hmm. get to find a new guest every single episode. Um, and so Michael and I sort of came out as like these, like, like regular guests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we just like joined it in, I guess, yeah, probably about two years ago. Cause I remember I like officially joined Endless Scroll right when I quit law school, which was like the spring. Hell yeah. Which the optics of quitting law school and joining a podcast <laughs> are funny, but <laughs> I quit law school to host a podcast. We have um, a Patreon split four we- ways we could use. <laughs> A few thousand right. more of you. Please, please subscribe to our Patreon. Um, but yeah, so then I started doing that. And uh, and now I live with Eric, and it's great. <laughs> you do? Oh, man, do. that's so awesome. Yeah, well, now you're yeah. leaving him, so. Well, yeah. Anyway. But, but right now, as of right this now, recording day. I live day, with Eric. <laughs> Yeah, which is fun, and yeah, Eric oh. moved to moved to Philly from Pittsburgh. Now, I'll go back to Illinois and be closer to Michael. I love the Coldplay episode. I listened to that <laughs> last week. I was shocked to not like Coldplay. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not shocked <laughs> to hear that you do not like Coldplay. You can barely put up with Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That's not true. Life. Well, I like that record. People just didn't think I liked it enough. I get comments on that newsletter on Substack. In this, my notes. Like, it's in my notes. It says, I, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I didn't. It was like I it was like I didn't like camera at the time. Yeah. And well, people were like, that's crazy. Song. This is the worst review. <laughs> you know what? I still don't like camera <laughs> to this day. I love that record though, and I just people just yeah, I think it's funny to. Um, that's so funny. That's like the one that people really had like an issue with, and it's like a positive one. It's like a, I like had a positive experience, and people just were like, "This was not positive enough. How dare you?" Yeah, for ye- for like two years. <laughs> so funny. That's so fucking funny. Well, you've got you've got your zines. You've got Wendy House mm-hmm. Press. You've got mm-hmm. MirandaReiner.com. Are you, do you, you post weekly. I'd say posting weekly is about where you're at. How do you do with that? Because I feel. What, scheduling? Oh, so, God. It's so hard. It's yeah. so hard. I feel like you're not letting down everybody who you know. Yes. Like, not a, <laughs> let alone yeah, yeah, people yeah. actually, like, take your work in. Right. So I think from the beginning, I decided I couldn't have like a posting schedule Mm -hmm. because every time I've ever tried to have a posting schedule, I like the pressure 
that like the pressure that that creates in my head to be like I have to post every Wednesday at this like it's unbearable. I can't. Don't worry, do it. we're doing Tuesdays now on Better Yet. We've been going on <laughs> Tuesdays, one week strong since we came back. Right. Exactly. Like it's tough. Like it's really hard for me to do that. Like I start to feel like so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um. That like I don't have a posting schedule. Sometimes I post twice a week, and sometimes I post once a month, and sometimes it's and. But every time that I ever have had, like, okay, I'm going to really try to post really regularly, like, I end up writing stuff that I don't like. That's, mm-hmm. like, it's too much pressure and I end up writing, like, worse stuff. Mm-hmm. And stuff that I don't feel good about, which, like, what's the point if I don't like it? Like, exactly. <laughs> what's the point if I'm just sort of, like, trying to push something out um, just because it's it's the day that I'm supposed to put out something? Uh but yeah, I, I think I think allowing it to be something that is like a real outlet for me and like a tool to like self-reflect on like so much of it is like about sort of my relationship to music um, and like the role that it plays in my life. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think letting that come more naturally to me always results in something. Like, yeah, if I sit down and I think about it and, like, try to, um, you know, expand on ideas or see what, like, my friends are talking about or what's going on online or um, it's it's always better when I just approach it that way. Because, I don't know. Eventually, I do have stuff to say. I love to just talk. So, yeah, I have so many... Th- I've, I have a lot of thoughts. So, it's not like I'm short on, like, ideas. Like, because we do on the scroll every week. And because I live with Eric. And because, like, you know, all my friends are always talking about new stuff. And sort of... Uh, I don't know. It's always around. You yeah. Know? yeah. So... There's always stuff to talk about. And like if I start something and I don't want to continue with it, I just pause it and draft it. And then a lot of that stuff ends up coming up later. And mm-hmm. um, I think putting too much pressure on myself was like it was terrible. Like there would be like months where I didn't do anything because I was like, oh, my God, like once you miss your if you miss a week. Then it's like, forget oh it. My I God. miss a week. If I miss a week, miss I'm a, gone well, I'm, for eighteen months. I'm done. That's <laughs> right, right. So I have to like, I have to allow myself to let it be like mm-hmm. something that, in at least in part, comes to me, uh, like you know, or else it'll it's bad. Which I know isn't like a lot of people do like like a schedule. A lot of people feel that's like centering and like motivating. Um, those people are professional writers, and I am not one. So, um, I will point out it's a hell of a piece you did for Cream Magazine. Thank you, yes. James, our friend from yes. Daisy. Very cool to see uh, two homies show up in Cream Magazine. Very cool. That was yeah, really, uh, really fun. I like doing interviews. I like. Um, I think it was fun. It was, James is great. 
I love his music. I loved talking to him about his music. Uh, yeah, super happy with how that piece turned out. I am an occasional freelance music writer, but for the most part, I'm I'm a blogger. So I love it. That's your byline: blogger, podcaster, occasional freelance music writer. <laughs> right. If you ask me to do something, I'll, I might do it, but. <laughs> But I'm I'm so terrible. I I like will not pitch. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, but then, you know I have like a re- I have like a regular job. So yeah, my time is and also I podcast two times a week. So you're very busy. You're very busy. I'm very and busy. I I have to say, Miranda, um, as we wrap up here, um, mm-hmm. I I don't really like the internet, but when I came back. Um, doing this podcast again when I log back onto Twitter, um, mm-hmm. the um, hearing hearing things from people like you and and Hugo and um, mm-hmm. that is whew, means the fucking there's world. There's good stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. good stuff there, and I'm I'm a lifelong fan, and I'm really really proud of the work that you do and um really appreciate you coming on thank you for having me this is like so cool to 17 year old me in 2015 like like, and like truly i was like nervous before this before we started because i was like i've like talked to you before i don't know why but i was like that was we talked about that (laughs) well yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like (laughs) No, like, yeah, genuinely, like, such a big fan of your work for years and sort of uh, as someone who just sort of does something by myself and doesn't <laughs> um, doesn't kind of work within or doesn't usually work within the confines of a traditional media industry. <laughs> um, always pleased to see what you do. I have been a fan for many years. <laughs> You rock, Bubba. Thank you. Great episode of the podcast.